Richard's World of Stories in association with Short Stories and Poems presents An Old Fireplace, Episode 3. Warning, this podcast carries a 2 to 18 age restriction. If you wish to contact the producer, email poemscouch at gmail.com or contact on Facebook at Short Stories Poems Podcasts, where you can like the page or leave a message. Join the group Richard's World of Stories and stay interactive with me opens the front door and looks in the direction of the car I will need to call the police he said quietly under his breath to himself picks up the receiver of the landline only to place it back down again she did have her car how else would she have come to visit I recall this because she parked directly behind me once again talking to himself. He opens the garage to see if the car was eventually moved inside, but no car goes back inside. On looking out the window, notices two police vans down near the old lady's house. Two police officers are observed alighting their vehicles. This is not good, as the one is a member of the dog unit. A German shepherd is clearly seen in the van furthest away. They make their way to the front door of the property next door. John is hoping they do not come onto his property as the dog will give the game away for sure. Mind you, any person coming within a short distance of his car will come aware of a stink of what very well could be fucking human remains. John mumbles under his breath. They ring the doorbell. A lady in her late years opens the door. How can I help you, officers? Sergeant Smith, dog unit, and Lieutenant Linda Rogers, CID. Sorry to trouble you, madam. We are investigating the disappearance of a lady who was last seen visiting a resident in this very road. We have found an abandoned green Toyota Camry. We were wondering if you could shed any light on what may have happened last evening, said Rogers politely. Sorry, but I was asleep by 8pm and was not aware of any disturbances. As you can see, I am hard of hearing. Now please leave as I have no info on the car in question or this woman that you speak of. Closes the door and walks away. As the sun sets behind the clouds and another summer day ends, John needs to get rid of the body and clean his car to remove all evidence, not to mention give his house a good clean. We will need to start now. A late night is in order, talking to self again. After seeing the vans leaving the property next door, he takes a sigh of relief. For him, the pressure is off, and the hard slog of cleaning up starts by placing his jacket back in his clothing cupboard. The large knife he takes to the kitchen, places it in the dishwashing machine, with all other items typically used in preparation of a dinner party. 
the food that now had been standing around for over 24 hours he placed in a bin bag and takes it to the outside bin to find items of clothes covered in blood. Upon seeing this, he is sick all over the area surrounding the bin. Things get worse. Every second that goes by, the blood stains on the floor in the entrance due to the rough surface of the tiles is proving to be not so easy to clean. The doorbell rings. Who is this now at this time of night talking to self? He goes in through the back door from the kitchen and closes the door behind him. He can hear voices in the front yard of his house, the sound of two-way radios, heard very clearly. On looking out the window of the living room, he sees three police officers inspecting the car with the help of two sniffer dogs. He runs off back to the kitchen, goes out the back door and jumps the fence with the help of one of the bins. He is now in the back garden of his neighbour behind his property. He is not in the best situation as there are two bulldogs that guard the backyard where he is now with his back against the wall. Lenny, their master, is an IT engineer. John does recall being told by Lenny that he would be away for a week in London on a business trip. Hopefully it is this week. Not sure, he mutters under his breath. I suggest you leave now, said Wendy. Ted replies, what's up? First you want me, now I must leave. For fuck's sake, girl, is my love for you not enough? What do you want? Wendy gets off the bed, picks up her clothes off the floor, places them on the bed and starts to get dressed. I was looking forward to making love to you, as this is what you wanted earlier, said Ted. She walks out the room, goes into the bathroom and locks the door. Ted hangs around in time he falls asleep on the bed. Wendy comes out. On approaching the bed, she notices some items of jewellery sticking out of his pants pocket. A gold bracelet, necklace and a very petite lady's watch. The glass was damaged, as was the minute hand. Should she wake him up and question Ted on what she had seen or just keep silent for now? It was not long before he did start to move a bit, but at no time did he fully awaken from his slumber. She removed her dress and panties and lay on the bed next to him. She gently removed his pants placed them on the floor together with all the items. She sat astride Ted. At this moment he opens his eyes. What's up, girl, now? You want me? said Ted, amazed. How long are the police going to take with my car? thinks John to himself. Where are the dogs? And if they are here, not the best at protection. If the police have found the body... I cannot go home, as my place is now a crime scene. John makes his way along the wall until he is blocked by a large rosebush and a flower bed that goes the length of the backyard. He now has confirmed that the dogs are not at the back 
of the house. His only way out is over the gate or the wall. One thing, who does this jewellery belong to, Ted? I found in your pants pocket. I told you right from the fucking get-go that your habit of housebreaking was to end if we are to have any chance of a relationship, said Wendy. Get forensics here and the boot of this car open. I have a feeling this is the missing lady from last night, said Detective Sergeant Wilson. Will do, sir, was the reply from a young constable, Frank Jones. Well, what are you waiting for? It to snow? Get a fucking move on, old boyo. Please keep your language with Constable Jones respectful. Will not stand for that attitude on my watch, Wilson, said Lieutenant Linda Rogers of CID. Forensics are notified and are on the scene. On breaking open the boot, rolled up in black plastic sheeting, is the decomposing body of a woman in her late thirties. Blood force trauma to the head was the cause of death combined with two stab wounds, one in the right shoulder and the other entered the rib area. Constable Jones was sick behind a tree. Once again, Wilson is heard making comments. Oh, look, who's a fucking baby? This time, Rogers was out of earshot. As the evening moves on, John now looks to get out of the backyard of his neighbour's property or to some relative safety. He feels around the pocket of his pants to find his house keys and Lenny's house keys on a separate key ring. Wonderful, he thinks to himself. Makes his way to the back and unlocks it. As he opens the door, the alarm goes off. He had forgotten that the deactivation module is at the front door and would need the pin to disarm and the code to give over the phone. He cannot recall the numbers. Ted gets off the bed and grabs Wendy from behind, intent on having sex. She turns and hits him in the face with one of her high-heeled shoes. The heel penetrates his right eye. He leaves the room as blood runs down his face and follows him into the kitchen. An old fireplace written and read for podcast by Richard Nichols for Richard's World of Stories in association with short stories and poems. If you wish to contact the producer, email poemscouch at gmail.com or contact on Facebook Short Stories Poems Podcasts where you can like the page or leave a message. Join the group Richard's World of Stories and stay interactive with me. This was a Richard Mark Nichols The Storyteller Podcast. Production, copyright 2023.